0: Hi, I'm Dan Cottrell, editor of Rugby Coach Weekly. You're about to jump into one of our podcasts. If you want to find out more about this podcast and also all of the great content, drills, activities, games and advice on the website, then go over to www.rugbycoachweekly.net. I hope you enjoy the podcast
1: and that include could include telling people what to do if that's the thing that is the blockage or the thing that will accelerate learning in that moment ie it's what the learner needs or what the player needs then you do it you don't you don't waste time you're looking to accelerate the process rather than slow it down
0: rugby coach weekly presents the coaching knife where we cut to the root cut out the fluff and challenge the masters of their domain to cut to the chase. Welcome to The Coaching Knife, where we cut to the root of the matter. In this episode, we speak to Chris Cushion, Head of Coaching at the Netball and Professor of Coaching and Pedagogy (laughs) at (laughs) Boston University. Focusing on what good coaching looks like, we're going to ask the question, what do coaches get wrong about using direct instruction?
1: Chris, are you ready for the knife? I'm ready, Dan. I'm ready. Thanks for having me on. Okay, what is direct instruction? Well, I think the question around what do coaches get wrong about direct instruction is it's, ma- it's massively misunderstood. So direct instruction is a broader pedagogical approach that encompasses a range of tools and approaches or way of dealing with learners, working with learners. And our current thinking around coach development and coach education puts direct instruction or instruction in a box and reduces it to just telling people what to do.
0: But is, I mean, just go, I mean, I know we could reduce it to that, but is telling people what to do bad in itself?
1: It's not bad in and of itself when it meets learner need or a player need or athlete need. But direct instruction is a whole range, is a, is a pedagogical approach in and of itself. And I, and over the over the years, and I've been part of this, the behavioural research around coaching has tended to reduce instruction or to literally instruction. So the initial research in the 70s really looked, collapsed a range of a range of behaviors so the original work in the 70s looking at John Wooden it looked at feedback demonstration questioning t- telling as instruction a range of behaviors that were reduced as in instructional behaviors which really align with what direct instruction actually is that a broader pedagogical approach and over time it's been distilled and distilled and now we've re- we've been it's been reduced to to instruction or direct instruction being just telling people what to do. So I think it's not, it's not what coaches get wrong about it. I think it's, it's, more about a misunderstanding of what direct instruction actually is
0: okay so let, let's say we'll, we'll start with the first thing let's uh if i'm telling somebody what to do yes. there are some benefits from it but it's not the whole piece so but what are what are those benefits i mean why not just uh, ask them a whole bunch of questions and let them get on with it
1: well i think in terms of if we if you think about the direct instruction model there's a re- there's a range of things that you, you you go through so guiding practice is a part of direct instruction so you present material you maybe model it or scaffold it or show an example or show a demonstration you maybe ask questions of the players or learners about the material you get them to practice you then maybe provide some more demonstrations and more support and then you let the then you have independent practice so you guide in practice you guide the the learner's practice and part of that it's coach led and that include could include telling people what to do if that's the thing that is the blockage or the thing that will accelerate learning in that moment i.e. it's what the learner needs or what the player needs Then you do it. You don't, you don't waste time. You're looking to accelerate the process rather than slow it down so in terms of that in terms of the the overall model of direct instruction guiding practice is a part and within that guiding practice there could be questioning there could be instruction there could be correcting there could be telling but it's that's the that's the coach-led part of it so that guiding practice is the coach-led part of which telling could could be perfectly
0: acceptable strategy
1: if that's what is required yeah Uh,
0: so we're saying that direct instruction is a load of different things yes um but it's why why the word instruction it's a great question
1: Uh, i guess it's in the it's in the roots of it's in the roots of the of the kind of the the concept it's instructional it's guiding others it's providing an explanation i don't i actually don't why
0: why does it help learning so uh, i mean it it seems obvious in a sense that uh, if you instruct somebody yes uh, they may they may learn but what is how does how does it make them learn what what is happening to them that then I mean in a sense what is learning
1: well in turn in terms of if, if you think about experts experts are able to pick up cues recognize moments kind of read what's happening in front of them and one thing about novices is they're not able to do that so the instructional piece it would be directing learners attention or giving them guidance towards the things that are relevant or the things that they may need to attend to or the things that they may need to understand so rather than them spending a lot of time searching for things that are relevant or going up cul de or in the or in or exploring things that are not relevant or pertinent to what they need to learn the instructional piece kind of is the beacon isn't it that says okay well that what you're looking for amongst these things is this
0: can you see it? Yes, so I can. So it's very contextual. Then, so one of the challenges for us is to work out who's a novice and who's an expert. And I suppose that um, e- even expert players are novices in some of the domains that they're involved
1: well they're learning all the time aren't they so i mean i mean an expert has has that kind of has an increased amount of knowledge and is able to recognize cues more quickly and is able to kind of cut to the chase a lot quicker but if you put an expert in a novel situation they become no longer an expert right so they're still learning so you know in in terms of direct instruction it it does ask you to think about novices and learners in different ways and it. Is that knowledge and understanding piece? So you so with an expert or more experienced player, you may not need to demonstrate, for example, <laughs> you may not need to show them things because they've kind of got that picture in their minds. So they may be more suited to thinking about different aspects or different angles. Where if somebody's never seen or done something before, that you know, you need to give them a frame of reference. You need to give them something. So it kind of looks kind of like this. Now what yours will look like might be different, or your solution to this problem might be slightly different but here's a frame you know here's an overarching frame through which you can start to work and kind of this is where we're heading and that's how you that's how you support the novice and again it's helping them it's pointing their attention to relevant things and saving them a bit of time now they uh, okay so i'm interested
0: to not- say saving a bit of time so yeah. uh, if you're saving people time aren't they aren't you avoiding that struggle and the struggle gives you a chance to learn
1: well not not really because it's again how you set up your learning environment is you want to give people success but not too much success so they need to have they need to have independent practice and they need to have practice that's has success in
0: it. But so it always- can, you just, can you just explain what independent practice
1: means? So independent practice, So you, for, again, in direct instruction, you'd have guided practice where you're very much active as a coach and that would be co- more coach-led in terms of what we're doing. And independent practice really is allowing learners to explore things for themselves and it would be more coaching through the game or through the, through the practice and would be a little less, wouldn't be necessarily coach-led per se but would be more environment led that independent practice place. but again the skill of the coach is setting up the environment for independent practice to, to so how,
0: how does the player know that they've they've learned because they might they just might they, they could be guessing their way through the game and they might have tried 15 different things and uh, three of them have worked yeah uh, but they've how do they know that they've worked? Yeah, that's a good question. How
1: do we know that it works? Well, there's there's obvious success. It's repeatable. It's transferable.
0: So it's going to be repeatable and transferable. So there how is. do we know it's repeatable and transferable?
1: Well, that's something you know. Here we go from the difference between performance and learning, right? So we can we can develop things that improve performance within indiv- individual sessions, but learning is about retention and transfer, isn't it? So how things appear. So we train today for a game on Saturday or a game in a month's time. And when the things we're working on in training start appearing later, so I, they are transferred, but also recalled, so I can recall and retrieve the thing, and I can transfer it to a different context, that would be evidence of learning. So very often in sessions, players or learners can repeat things and do it, and that might just be a performance effect, and, but that can be quite powerful in convincing people that they've learned something, when in fact they haven't. So the learning piece comes later so it's very difficult in sessions to know whether anybody's learned anything you might see evidence of people performing something but the thing that demonstrates that they've learned it is that it's transferred they're able to retrieve it and they're able to transfer it into different conditions
0: okay so let's uh, take a netball example and yeah. so uh, two players are passing the ball between each yes um now in, in netball i mean with i coached a bit in netball so I, I know that generally you don't pass the ball back to the person who just passed it to you yeah. in the same space because the, the defenders going to get in the way i mean the the goal shooter may pass it back out and pass it back in but most of the time you pass them to someone else so how how would you set that up to uh, allow them to explore or to 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 learn now obviously i understand the performance if they completed 10 passes in a little game yeah that's some performance but how how do i sort of go beyond and work out where the transfer comes
1: yeah okay so i probably wouldn't start with players passing in pairs as a starting point because it doesn't i can't really connect that to the game i might start with a modified game whether it's a four on four or a four on three or a four on two and then i might break, break that down into a three or one and then i'd be thinking uh, of, so
0: how do you get success in that game what what
1: are the Oh, uh... so i'm looking at principles aren't i so i'm looking at it might be creating space or it might be retaining possession with a purpose so the game will have, will have so the modified form of the game will have had a purpose or a principle to it i we're going to retain possession to move the court to the circle move the ball to the circle edge we're going to go mid court to the circle edge and retain possession so that's the modified game
0: okay so i'm gonna i'm gonna go right back i know we're yeah. going on i'm uh, uh, enjoying this so yeah. however uh thinking with our direct instruction hat on yeah. i've got eight players in front of me yeah, I walk towards them. What then happens effectively, so I can set this game in motion?
1: So we set. A, so for me, I would start. I would present the material to them or demonstrate the material in a game form. So, so what really would different. that
0: exactly? What exactly would that be? You're standing there with eight players, ball underarm. So it might be
1: I just set them up in a four v four right. in an area of the court and say, "This is the these, these. This is what we're trying to do in the game. Off you go and play." And then there would be some questions related to that so what's happening where's it happening when's it happening why is it happening bearing in mind okay i'm gonna
0: i'm gonna drill right down to the detail here how long has it taken you to explain the game is i mean there's a sort of a sort of a 30 second rule that we often so
1: i would yeah so one of the things that we we tend to do as coaches is we tend to explain everything to the players up front and spend an age before they actually get playing Mm. for me it's a 4v4 game we're in this area of the court the objective of the game is this play right
0: and if and if they're getting rule changes well, right you're, you're and doing-
1: my first my first check is is the game set up correctly is the area the right size have i got the right players in the right position are they do is the game doing the thing that i wanted it to do And if not, I would adjust or condition the game accordingly. And I would ask then ask the players, "What are we trying to do here? What's the purpose of the game?" So there's a part of this called game appreciation. Do the players understand what the purpose of the game is? Are we trying? You
0: you wouldn't do that. I mean, when I say you wouldn't do it, I'm not saying that this is a blanket. (laughs) Would you do that? The purpose of this game is beforehand or during the game? Because I know that uh, there is there is some research saying that it actually it's worth giving them the purpose before they start yeah Sometimes. so you need to connect
1: you need to have people on so we've got a 4v4 game in this area of the court we're trying to move the ball to the edge of the circle and be patient and have patience in possession so we're looking to retain the possession and move the ball to the edge of the circle play go so there's some explanation as a coach before i even start coaching i'm checking the game is it you know is are the things happening in the game that i want them to happen is it the right size is it organized properly is it doing what i want it to do and my first questions would be about game appreciation do we understand what we're trying to do do we understand what's happening in this game yes we do
0: so do, okay. I want to know how exactly that happens are you you blowing the whistle putting your hand up walking in and saying I'm going to ask you some not I I'm here are some questions or are you asking them as they're moving what, no what's... I would
1: stop I would stop and ask I would stop the game and ask and just make sure that everyone's on board and then they play a game and then I would you know depending on what's happening in the game so I need to understand what's happening in the game according to the principle the next stop would be to ask questions, and it would be what, when, what, where, when, how, and why. So, what's happening? Where's it happening? When's it happening? Why is it happening? And then we're going to talk about some solutions. So they're questioning, so people okay. understand. So, so there's well, about six
0: questions. There's about six questions there. Are you, yeah. I, I'm assuming you're not spending three or four minutes no. asking
1: these questions. No, 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 no it's really quick what's happening this is happening where well it's happening as we get to the circle edge it's happening hit great how's it happening oh these are the issues right why is it happening oh because so it might be movement off the ball it might be timing it might be players I don't know what the problem is Mm. but I'm hoping that the players help me with it and if they don't I might ask them saying well what happens when this happens or I've noticed that so oh, there, okay. the dialogue here so that what happens then is we would then either either modify the game in some form so it might we might uh, add some conditions to it or add more players or take players away or set up a different practice and we need some learn we need some learner rehearsal here so they need to start thinking about so it might be our issue is movement off the ball so we might set up a practice and add a condition i you have to have two movements before you can receive the ball so it might be one movement for the defender one movement that, you-
0: just quickly i'm interested in this learner yeah. rehearsal yeah. Yes, that seems uh, seems something well worth unpacking. Yeah. Go on. Well, what is what does
1: it mean? Well, it's just a f- it, it's a la- it's allowing players to experiment, I guess and what uh, this little bit of space where they work things out for themselves so it's elaborating it's getting words into putting things into their own words understanding what that movement means for them so there's you know so it's very individual but there will be overarching principles so the learner rehearsal piece and you might then ask them to show you some stuff so show me a movement that gets you on the wrong side of the defender great that looks great for you but for dan it's a different type of movement or we might want to say okay we might have a rule that says you don't stand on the piece of the court where you want to receive the ball so what's your movement to not stand on it so you then or what whatever it is so it's allowing players to get that understanding and
0: so let's let's say let's say they've they've rehearsed and that sort of thing but the the obvious piece that they're not doing is they're not they're not passing for the player they're passing to the player and i mean in most in most sports you need to pass for the player rather than to the player and then but they're not getting it but it's clearly obvious to you are you going to tease it out with questions or are you going to save time and say right folks look the thing which we need to work on is you need to pass for the player
1: I would would, again part of the game appreciation piece is they need to see that so I would probably ask first Mm. and if it isn't obvious then I would either set up like a freeze replay or set something up and then say look this is what's happening or I've noticed this so I want it to I want them to be able to put into their own words as much much as possible but there might again there might be things that I've seen that I'm saying okay these guys aren't quite getting this so I'm going to set something up where I just show it to them so here's a little demo this is what's happening and here's something we can do to fix it right and then we move into a practice that fixes it whatever that practice looks like right then for me that's the guided practice piece then mm-hmm. so you've moved into your bit that's the guided practice piece where we then might ask questions we might demonstrate we might give instruction what whatever that is and then we come back to the independent practice piece which for me would be back into a game form of some kind whether it's a full game or a form of the game and that's then where you have that independent practice where you're saying okay I want I'm just I want you to now we might go back to the original 4v4 whatever it is and, and work from
0: there so in, in the end part of your training might look like there's just a game going on with me yeah. jumping and jumping out yeah. uh, part of it might be i'm actually right we're going to be i'm going to be more explicit in what i'm going to say we're going to do this do this yeah. and it just it very much depends on uh your intention and so it, it's got it's there's lots of different things going on it's not just one way i'm obviously yeah, trying no, to not, put words into your mouth way. there by yeah, thinking
1: and what you do will depend on what happens with the learner so we were filming some stuff for netball looking at again it was actually creating space and movement and it was it was movement in tight areas so rolling off the body movement different types of movement and players were struggling a little bit with that recognising the types of movement they could do in tight areas so it's just a question of some demos let's you know let me show you some different ideas when you're in a tight space when there's lots of bodies around How could, what sort of movement can you do to get free basically so so
0: so that's give. that's giving your expertise yeah to to the to the land. okay so and I mean obviously we can fly off into lots of interactions but we're gonna yes. we're gonna stop there Chris. so uh chris is also director of sport integration at Loughborough university worth, sorry <laughs> Not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> no, it is, that really, it's uh, that uh, needs to. I'll start that. I'll start that one again. Yeah, the role's defunct. They got
1: rid of the role, so they're okay. The, so the role doesn't exist anymore. Okay,
0: that w- that was out of the podcast. Now I yeah, just that down. Eleven yeah, f- fifty-two. Take that one out. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Chris has also worked extensively in top-level football with teams yeah. like Chelsea and Fulham. Worked in rugby with Bath. Worked across many different sports. Obviously, netball is the the main one. Is working with the main, uh sports company, bosses and is also a UEFA qualified coach you can contact him on twitter at coach c1 or you can uh, just google him and find him uh, hidden somewhere in loughborough or loughborough university at least okay we're going to finish with some questions which i know he's really looking forward to (laughs) chris how old are you 50 something 50 something ideal that's the same age as me actually uh what coaching book is by your bedside
1: so at the moment i'm reading relational coaching by eric Oh, so just looks at different ways of one-to-one coaching and Different approach, different theoretical approaches, and how you can be more relational in your coaching. Okay,
0: has he changed your mind? It's interesting, but no, not really. No. Okay, which team or sport or subject would you be love to be coach? Would you love to coach at the moment? I
1: think it's. I've not coached. I've not been back in football for a while, so it would be great to get back into do some a little bit of football coaching. So I've been okay. out of the game for a little bit. Are
0: you going to dare to say who you support? I'm more than happy
1: to to, to say that I'm a Norwich City. Fan. Oh, right, okay. City of uh, my so I've kind of started with it unfortunately
0: (laughs) well you could be i'm a bristol Rovers fan so and that that's interesting in itself okay what would you tell your 20 year old self to do more of
1: probably probably to follow your gut a little bit more and just go with your instincts a little bit more rather than kind of tend to be brow-beaten brow into following the path. You know, I can recall times in my early, you know, fledgling sporting and coaching career where I kind of, my gut was telling me to do something, but I was kind of encouraged not to do it because that was a bit different or a bit out of the ordinary. And mm. I kind of not regret not doing that, but I think it would be following my instincts a little bit more. Chris,
0: anyway, thank you very much. Uh, really enjoyable and thanks very much for your time. No problem at all.